Hello, and welcome to the Women S Podcast. I'm your host, Genevieve Nutting, and okay, if you listen to our first episode, Intro to Women S, we talk a little bit about who we are, what we stand for, uh, how we even started. And so if you're curious about the background on Women S, I would encourage you to go listen to that. It will also explain a little bit more about <laughs> me and who I am and why I'm giggling right now because it is 9.30 at night and I'm looking at the timer and I have two minutes until our mac and cheese is done. <laughs> we have a sleeping child upstairs and it's just kind of a crazy life that we're in right now a crazy season that we're in right now and why i'm also laughing is because if you read our recent womaness uh words with womaness post on instagram i talked about how womaness community our nonprofit, almost didn't happen and it's because so often we feel like everything needs to be perfect and the timing needs to be right and just all the bells and whistles need to be put together. And because of that, sometimes it keeps us from even venturing into our ideas and our visions. And so I'm laughing because it took a while for the Women As Podcast to become a thing. And this is exactly one reason why I probably would not have done it because trying to find the time to do something can be challenging. Um, but this is a priority to me. It's a priority to our team. And so by gosh, by darn it, <laughs> we're making it happen. So if you want to learn more about us, I encourage you go back to our first episode. But if you're here, you're here for a reason. And this week... We have a very special guest. Uh, she's our first guest on the podcast, Lauren Lee. And this is a very special guest. One, every voice of womanist that gets to be on this podcast and gets to share their story, uh, I think is very special. I think every voice in this community has a space to be heard. So the other piece of this, though, is Lauren is part of why... Oh, See, I told you, there's the mac and cheese. It's ready. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> okay, don't even edit that out. Let's just keep it, because this is life. But Lauren is part of why Women S came to be a thing. She had reached out, uh, I think we'd had our first pop-up movement class at Boise Startup Week, and she'd found us on Instagram, and we connected over at Trailhead here in Boise, and you know when you just meet someone and you're like, yes, our souls were meant to be connected. Like you just knew your paths were going to align. Uh, I think that's how a lot of women feel at Motivation Through Movement, which we have coming up on May 20th. And Lauren Lee will be our meditation guide. Uh, she and I started doing pop-up yoga and meditation classes for women as community. And ever since our first motivation through movement, she has been our meditation guide and she is like, I would call her like the special sauce. <laughs> She's part of the, the recipe for the special sauce of these experiences that we get to create. So if you have not had an opportunity to connect with her and you will be at motivation through movement, you are in for a treat. Uh, Lauren Lee, who we refer to as your friendly meditation guide is a certified Chopra meditation teacher and Buddhist meditation teacher with the path. 
a registered gentle therapeutics yoga teacher. She's also a former host. This is so cool of the top 40 spiritual podcast. So formerly known as inner guidance daily and the creator behind calm point calm point is now a newsletter. It is also a podcast where you can listen to meditations. Uh, my eight month old son and I actually listen to her meditations. She's just she has such a gift with her presence and just the atmosphere that she's able to create. Uh, but on this week's episode, Lauren shares her perspective on mindfulness, what it means, as well as actionable ways to be more present and mindful in our day-to-day lives. And I've got to tell you, it's not just limited to meditation. So if you're someone who says, Ooh, I'm not really into meditation, one, I highly encourage you to try meditation with Lauren. And two, uh, we get to open up our scope that mindfulness, becoming more mindful, there are a bunch of different resources uh, and practices you can do that are not limited to meditation. Something really cool about this interview too is Lauren shares more about her spiritual journey, uh, including up to her recent endeavor of studying compassion, like actually studying compassion at the Harvard Extension School, and then recently MBSR meditation training at University of Massachusetts. I mean, how cool, right? We get to dig deep into the layers of compassion with self and others. And Lauren provides us with three steps towards self-compassion when we get down on ourselves. So I know for me, this was really helpful. I am trying to show up the best that I can right now. And (laughs) it is not easy preparing to put on motivation through movement, Uh, having this eight month old that I'm trying to raise to be this kind, compassionate, free spirited, you know, human. It's a, a lot of pressure as well as showing up in my relationships and showing up for myself. Um, it could be really easy to get down on ourselves. So how can we lean into self compassion? Uh, at the end of the interview, she leads into a vulnerable moment, uh, and talking about how compassion can lead to forgiveness. This was a really special conversation and I'm really grateful to get to share this space with Lauren and I hope that you enjoy it and be sure that if you have not yet reserve your ticket for motivation through movement, we do have just a few left again, Lauren Lee will be our meditation guide and something else we have available is our scholarship applications are opening up this week. So one of our mission, part of our mission for women S is to be uh, financially inclusive. So all of our events, we want to make sure are financially accessible. So we understand that we are in a, a unique economy and we want to make sure that this event is available to all women. So make sure you check out the show notes where you can get tickets for motivation through movement, uh, as well as all of Lauren's book recommendations and where you can find her. Enjoy. Hey, Womaness, and welcome. I'm Genevieve Nutting, the founder of Womaness Community and host of the Womaness Podcast. And I'm so pumped you're here. My team and I have created this space for Womaness like you to feel seen, heard, and empowered. Each week, we'll launch a fresh episode with resources, stories from Womaness, and tools related to mindfulness, movement, and community. 
more than just a podcast. This is your weekly source of energy and connection with the many inspiring and relatable voices of Womeness. In a world where we are constantly on the go, let this be your landing space where we can slow down and come together. This is the Womeness Podcast. Welcome to the Womenist Podcast. I am your host, Genevieve, and this is our very first podcast. I feel like I should have taken some deep breaths before this instead of freaking out because my heart is just racing. And we have, ironically, the woman who was here when we started it all is also our very first podcast, the Lauren Lee with Calm Point. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Jen. How are I'm you? I'm so happy to see you. I know. I'm happy to see you too. I'm all squealy. Like, hi. No, you can tell. I feel like I have, you know, like go into your voice. Like I have a, a coaching voice when I go to coach cycle classes and then you have your interview voice. And then I have my, when I see Lauren voice and it just gets higher <laughs> and higher. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking time to be here today. I know that you're busy and I really appreciate you carving out time. You always have just been such a huge support system for us here at Womeness. Uh, thank you for showing up. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to kick this off with you. And I feel like you've helped me so much. So it's it's happening on both sides. It's like, you know, I I don't think I'd be as confident as a meditation teacher if it weren't for women S. And, and that's honestly the truth. And you, and you. Oh, that's so kind. Yes. Well, we wouldn't... <laughs> We're just going to keep pumping each other's tires okay, okay. because we want to be here without you. And I know we'll get more into who you are, um, what you do, uh, what you've done for Womeness and kind of our background, but part of the Womeness podcast, and this is our first episode, but something that we want to do for our community, um, kind of like a little backtrack. And this is said a little bit in the intro that people listened to before this, but we wanted this space to be a communal area for women to come together, no matter what you're doing. You know, it's like, we're, we're that friend and, you know, our lives are busy. You've got school, you've got your kids, you've got your job, you've got trying to take time for yourself. And, and this is a space where no matter what time in your day you're listening to, in a sense, we're all coming together. And so part of that being, you know, creating a landing space where, you know, the importance of this is being a meditation guide, uh, creating a space where you can pause for yourself for for many of our women as this might be the first time in their day they're able to slow down and to tune inwards and even though my heart's racing a million miles a minute and I'm so excited uh I was wondering if you would do the honor of taking us into a space where we can kind of pause settle down reflect and really allow us to settle into this space together absolutely okay Thank let's you. do that Okay. So wherever you are, if you're listening or you're walking or driving in the car, just take a deep breath in through your nose and a really generous exhale out. Like just yourself to settle right here into the moment and using your breath as just a really friendly guide to place you here into community. So let's take another deep breath in and a generous exhale out. And if you're in the space where you can close your eyes, I welcome you just to close your eyes for a moment. But if that's not available to you, you're welcome to leave your eyes open. It will have the same impact, the same effects. And so let's bring our attention 
all the way to the breath and acknowledge we're making that transition from the busyness, the doing, the figuring out, all the things we do externally. We're going to now ask us to bring our attention inward. Maybe this is the first time you get the chance to do this today. So allow yourself just to really bask in it for just a moment. And we bring our attention inward by using our breath. So a deep breath in through the nose and a deep breath out through the nose. Just breathing in and breathing out. Kind of like salt and water beginning to settle all the way down to the bottom of the glass. Maybe you can sense that for yourself and just allowing yourself to ground right here into your body, into your space, and maybe take a moment of gratitude for your breath. You're alive. You're here. Maybe you can just say to yourself, all is well. All is well. That doesn't mean we bypass maybe what isn't right for us in our lives right now or might feel like a challenge, but we remind ourselves that we have hope, that we have community, and that we can generate a sense of all is well. So if it feels good for you, you can gently open your eyes if they've been closed. And you can take maybe a deep, deep breath in and a deep breath out just to allow yourself to be here and listen and take in this beautiful information and be able to have a moment to yourself. So thank you for allowing me to guide you. Thank you so much. Seriously, you have such a gift. I feel like I'm so much more calm. I even have Seuss over here. <laughs> I've just been, is it funny? My, I told you this before when I've listened to your meditations, like my dogs will come and listen to them with me. It's yeah. Simba's very occupied by the peanut butter right now on his <laughs> peanut butter is life. But yeah, you have such a gift. Even um, Theo and I, we have our, our, our special place is bath time. And especially when I come home from teaching or a long day, we turn on calm point and we listen to your, your meditations. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, something cool that we're growing up with is, and I wonder if you're seeing this as well as more people becoming familiar with meditation. And my, and my hope is that, you know, he, he, this starts to become a practice for him. Um, so he gets older. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. Honestly, it's cool that I can help in, in your life, you know, and even just being the, um, being a friendly place where you can, you can slow down, like with just the world is chaotic. It's busy. And I hope for Theo too, that he has those seeds. I mean, I'm sure, you know, planted early in his life and that whenever he needs that refuge, he can go, he can go within. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so too. I hope so. I think that we have such a, such a powerful, um, space and tools that we get to provide. I know you've got Lily who is your six-year-old. Oh my God. Just wild. Do you see oh. this showing up in her life being raised in the space that you're creating with this very mindful practice? Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's way more prominent than it ever was before. And it's way more, I think even acceptable culturally. It's not just something that's like, woo woo, there's science behind mm -hmm. it. And, um, you know, I think 
it's recommended by doctors and by therapists. So it's just, it's, it's a different nature than it was like maybe in the eighties or the nineties, right. Or yeah. even the early two thousands. Uh, but yeah, for her, you know, even her school does mindful breath. It's her, her, each student has a, um, a job each week. And so her job this week is to create the mindful breath and they do it so cute. You know, like they do like the kitty breath and they have like little kitty ears <laughs> oh. and they do it before they eat so that they're calm before they eat. And okay. So cool. Yeah. I think it's just very much now, uh, integrated into people's lives. Even if you don't have like a standard meditation practice, you maybe know mindfulness or you can do deep breaths like we did. You know, it's it's more it's more um I don't know, it's more popular, I think. Yeah. So let me ask you a question then. And I do want to get to a little bit of our background, a little bit more about you, but because this is one of our pillars of womeness is yeah. mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, you know, mindfulness, I feel like is a word similar to happiness or kindness, where if you're trying to describe it to a child, these are the questions that I'm asking myself, like happiness seems like a very simple, but also very complex word. Um, and same with mindfulness, it feels like a simple word, but when you really break it down, there's a lot of complexity to it. So how would you explain mindfulness? You know, what's so cool about this question is that I, I just started a new class at, um, university of Massachusetts for, uh, mindfulness, stress, mindfulness, MBSR. I forgot mindfulness, something, something, whatever you guys will know what I'm talking about. (laughs) MBSR. Um, it's basically the secular version of meditative, of Buddhist meditation, but anyways, um, and it's science backed, but the professor asked like, what is mindfulness to you? And had every student. So 34 students go around and say, what is mindfulness to you? And everybody had their own definition. Mm. And the point of that was that the te- the professor was saying, this is, this is all, everything that everybody's saying is mindfulness. It is your own definition. You will come to your own definition, what it means to you. And of course she had, you know, like kind of her standard, like this is what med- uh, mindfulness is to me and some definitions I really like, but, and I think, I think that's an imitation for everybody. You can define mindfulness for mm. yourself. Um, and you can also leverage kind of those standard definitions of what it is. So the standard definition, there's two that I really like. One is from um, a Zen master, Buddhist monk, um, Thich Nhat Hanh. And his, he's, he says, you know, mindfulness is giving 100% of your energy to what you're doing. And that's really challenging. Very simple mm, wow, to say, yeah. but very challenging to give 100%. Like your mind isn't wandering other places. You're not thinking about other things. You're not doing other things. You're just 100% there. Um, and the other one that I really like is it's a loving, non-judge, non-judge, oh, cannot say that a loving, non-judgmental awareness. Hmm. Um, so we're used to the critical mind. We're used to the thinking mind. We're used to even maybe some not so nice thoughts in our, in our mind. Um, but mindfulness can be an awareness that is non-judgmental. And so I can keep going, but those are two definitions that I really, really like and helps you start to understand what is mindfulness. And then you can bring mindfulness to anything, to a conversation, to time with your son, to an art project, to an email you write, you know, you can really extend that practice of giving a hundred percent of your attention and awareness to what you're doing. Um, and that's ultimately, that's what it is. It's present moment. It's being all there. It's an awareness. And it's a capacity that everybody has. 
Do you think we're ever a hundred percent focused on, I think you said it's being a hundred percent in that moment or awareness. Do you think that we actually have a moment where we're a hundred percent right there in that moment? I do. I think it's, yeah. you, it, I think it's absolutely possible. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, like somebody like a Buddhist monk, mm. you know, like Thich Nhat Hanh is practicing this every single day. So maybe easier, right. It might be more yeah. available just to the environment itself of where you get to practice. Um, but I do think it's absolutely possible. Like I was a hundred percent present hundred percent when I met my daughter for the first time, you mm. know, when, it, when, yes. when they handed okay. me to her. You know, so it's like, yeah, I think it's possible. I feel like it's possible. And especially in this day and age though, it's very rare. Yes. Yes. How would you, you know, do you have any tips or guidance recommendations for people who are, you know, right now they're thinking, and I can guarantee, I know me when I'm listening to podcasts, I'm multitasking. Yeah. I'm doing my laundry, I'm yeah. driving in the car. So for someone listening right now, and they're thinking, well, how do I, how do I show up mindfully? Like, do you have mm. any tips that they could implement right now? Absolutely. Okay. So let's just try this. The next time you're in conversation with somebody, you don't have to do it now, Jen, because you're like <laughs> managing a podcast and you <laughs> I'm have try, to think, no, you have to think about so many things, but next time you're in conversation okay. with somebody, um, see how, see if you can be fully there. The mm-hmm. only thing you have to do is just be present and aware of the words that are coming at you, maybe the feelings that you might feel, but you're a hundred percent there. You're not thinking about what you're going to say next. You're not thinking about the judgments of their thoughts and what they're sharing with you. You're not thinking about, um, I don't know, strange noise that you heard. You know, you're not thinking about like, what am I going to do tomorrow? I'm not planning. You're just fully there with somebody and whatever comes out of your mouth next has nothing to do with the preparation you've been doing while listening to them, right? It's just, you're all the, all the way, all in the moment. So try that, try being so present, so mindful of a conversation with somebody. And if you wanted even something more simple, uh, it would be, um, there's like, you know, mindfulness of like eating, right? So peel an orange, put the orange in your mouth mm-hmm. and be a hundred percent present with eating that orange. And it's not, you're not gonna be perfect, but it's allowing you to be aware of what the potential could be, Mm. you know, that you have the potential to bring your awareness and attention to something fully. Um, and then when you meet an edge, that's just a learning opportunity and you can try again. And that's the beautiful part, right? Does that seem helpful? Does that seem doable? Totally. No, I think it totally does. And it goes along with, I think that so many issues and problems and conflict that we run into could be resolved by seeking to understand rather than seeking to respond Mm. in conversation. You know, it goes along with this idea of compassion that you've been talking a lot about. And, um, you know, when I, when I think about mindfulness, the way that you've been explaining it is, especially when you said, when you saw Lily for the first time, like you were a hundred percent there. And when you said that I went back to when I met Theo and, and it is, it's almost like, an out of body experience. Yeah. And, uh, I think that the only other time I really can think of that, I feel this is when I'm teaching because you can't really be thinking about anything else when you're guiding someone. And I wonder if you feel the same way when you're guiding a meditation, it's like, you have to be there. If your mind goes elsewhere, you're so disconnected 
And it's just, I don't know. Do you, and I would say it's like a muscle too. Yeah. Are there things that people can do then where to them? They're like, I, I haven't felt that. I don't know what that feels like. Like what's one thing that they could be incorporating into um, a routine or into their daily life that doesn't feel like a lot, you know, I, yeah. I'm not trying to add people's to-do list, but if they're mm. looking for something actionable to help them, um, what's something you would recommend? So, I mean, obviously meditation practice is going to help strengthen your capacity to be aware, right? So you're going to be able to have fine-tuned attention and aware of your relationship to your thoughts and to your, the sensations in your body your feelings, but not everybody wants to meditate and not everybody has the time for it. And I think if you're wanting to start to be more mindful in your everyday life and I'll get, I'll give a tip of something you can do. And that's easy, very easy actually. Um, but what I think that what is really cool about mindfulness is that if you are living mindful, like you're aware of where you are, you're aware of the experiences that you're having you're aware, like for me, I'm aware when my daughter grabs my finger. I'm aware when my husband is giving me a compliment. I'm aware when my friends are warm and inviting, like you're there, you have a richer life. You're not letting life pass you by, right? Like you're actually involved in it. You're not lost in your thoughts or judgments or criticisms or planning. And of course those things have to happen, but you're, you really are relishing and like the awesomeness of your life or you know, if you are in a challenging season, you know, you're, you're able to weather that by being mindful, by being present and honoring the feelings that you have and nurturing yourself. So one thing that you can do is like, when you wake up in the morning, you can literally just take a deep breath in and a deep breath out and be fully present for that breath. That's it. Hmm. Close your eyes, take a deep breath in, take a deep breath out, be fully present for that breath and strengthen your muscle from that. Everybody has time for that. You know, it, it can be that simple and it's just allowing you to be fully present for that breath and feel, what is that like for me? Um, what comes up for me? Is it challenging? Do I hate this? Like, um, do I want to do maybe two breaths next time? You know, really starting just from very, 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 very basic levels. Do you think that's doable? I think it's doable. I think it's doable, but then I also know I have mornings where, I've said other things are doable, like setting my gratitude journal and setting oh, yeah. my intentions and then the day. But when you break it down to just the one breath, like just start, start with one breath and being aware of your body. And it's kind of like, you know, when I'm coaching through a workout or uh, I was talking to my husband about clutter, cause I, I cannot work in clutter oh, and our yeah. house has become much easier, much more cluttered since having a child. Yeah. And I told him about like my five things method where I said, you know, I start with, can I put five things away right now? And what, usually if you do five, you're kind of all of a sudden you get momentum. And so I wonder if that one breath, you know, you're connected to one breath that leads to another breath and another, and before you know it, there you go, you're doing it. Yeah. But you could do it before you send an email, before you yeah. send a text message, you could do it before you walk into the store. You could do it before you walk into your house. You could do it before you leave your car. Like you're just mm. taking a mindful breath and it's bringing your attention from wherever it is to your breath and so that you're fully present for it. And of course, many practices can develop from that, but, and you like to your point, you can do 10 minutes of just focusing on your breath and being mindful with it. I think sometimes people maybe don't know that there's a skill involved of being able to be aware of the feelings and thoughts and sensations in your 
worlds in your inner world and embracing it with compassion and understanding and love. And then that is a real skill. So if you're taking a deep breath and you're exhaling out and you're like, what? Okay. Like what now? You know, like, or I didn't really like that. It's the awareness of that, that you're really paying attention to. Oh, interesting. When I breathe, I don't like, what's that all about? And you can begin to investigate it or nurture yourself. Like you understand you have insight now. And so I think, I don't know if everybody totally understands that what cradles mindfulness is really compassion is this Mm. act of caring for yourself. Mm. So in order to do that, you have to be mindful. You have to be fully present with your life. You have to be like aware and being able to engage with it. Mindfulness allows you to do that. When you are mindful of your life, not everything is roses. Not everything is great. And you're going to bump up to some things that maybe you don't want to bump up next to. And so that's where compassion comes in. You you really start to nurture yourself and understand the flavors of nurturing you need. And I want to get more into talking about compassion because you've been studying it at um, No Big Deal because it is a big deal. Harvard. What? Harvard. <laughs> Harvard. Harvard. Uh, But for those who maybe aren't familiar with your um, spiritual awakening journey or your experience with mindfulness, will you take us back? Because this has not always been your lifestyle, if I'm remembering Mm. correctly. Will you take us back then to, you know, the first time you meditated to when you fell in love with meditation and then kind of a brief journey to where you are now? Yes. And I'll try to keep it short too, because, you know, I want to be helpful. I don't know (laughs) if everybody wants to know, like be bored with my story. Um, but the first time I ever really tried, so I went, I have always been into yoga, like as a teenager and it really wasn't that cool back then. Um, my daughter likes to make fun of me that like I was born in the eighties. She goes back in the eighties, you know, like <laughs> so, so long old. ago. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, yoga really wasn't that cool when I was a teenager, but I was super interested into it. Like that was kind of an entry into, um, meditation um, I went to a Buddhist temple once when I was really young and I cried through the whole thing. And I swore I would never go back. I was like, it's actually very ironic that I'm a Buddhist teacher and studied it so much. Um, it just, I just didn't feel welcomed. I couldn't really face what I, what I was experiencing internally. And then um, many years later, I mean, I, my predominant career is in e-commerce and um, I went to school for fashion and you know, like I've been in business that has nothing to do with spirituality, nothing to do with meditation. Um, uh, and so I got exposure to meditation when I went through yoga training. It took a year off work, did yoga training, um, started to practice meditation. Um, but I like never felt totally like I wanted to be a yoga teacher. I never, I don't know. I always wanted to be tucked away in a room and like, guide people through a meditation practice. I didn't want to necessarily move them to the physical practice. So, but I, I didn't know that was a career. I didn't know that was something you could do. I didn't, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't know, but I didn't. And so I didn't really start like to really commit to a meditation practice until I was pregnant. So it's been, I don't know, six, seven years. And, um, that's really where I just was like, I need to show up in the world a different way. I need to really understand my inner workings and what are the tools that allow me to do this. And I went on kind of a spiritual little path there, just under uncovering a bunch of stuff. I've always been interested in that and meditation really spoke to me. So I started um, leading meditations in Boise, like with hikes 
and just continued being educated and learning and I can't get enough. And I don't know. I feel like the the journey was not that exciting. It's kind of just basic. I wish it was something more exciting, but it just always called to me. And I felt really at home as a meditation teacher and as a guide. And so I just continued to follow that thread wherever it leads me. It seems to be really exciting. I personally love your story. And I always think that, you know, we maybe don't find our own story as exciting because we've lived it. We've been through it. Like I've been there, but what I love about your story is it it's in a sense shows the idea of like trusting the process and that we might think that something is for us and have this idea or expectation of what we're supposed to be doing. And while, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you believe. I believe that what is meant for us will find us. I do believe that we get to make our decisions in our life, but ultimately like what's meant for us will find us. And it's kind of a choose your own adventure way and how you'll get there. Actually, I feel like we've had this conversation before. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, cause it's confusing. You're, you're supposed mm-hmm. to like, know. <laughs> you know, it feels like at least I felt the pressure, like you're supposed to know what you want to do and you're supposed yeah. to know, like feeling purpose-driven and you're supposed to like have those things figured out. And it feels, it felt very much for a long time. Like I didn't have it figured out. So I really just followed what lit me up and for whatever reason, it was meditation and this ability to be able to connect with people, um, through those means. And I started so small and so, I don't know, just like curious out of, you know, and, and, and then just follow, continue to follow that curiosity. And I think you're right. Like, I think, I don't know, people's stories are so fascinating, but like your own, I always have like some insecurities about my own story. So, um, I'm getting better, you know, I'm slowly working at it. No, I, I love your story and I love what you're doing right now. Um, we've been talking about compassion and even, you know, you and I send each other voice messages throughout the week. I always love when I get your voice messages and you've been telling me about this compassion course. Um, can you share this with our community? Because I think it is, it is something, I think I, I mentioned something about this before, but like having that compassion for others would solve so many problems, so much conflict in our world. Uh, tell us about this course that you've been partaking in. Okay. It is so delicious. It's so amazing. I love I when you say it's delicious. It's so, it's word. like literally like I'm eating like the best meal. You're just soaking it in. Oh, it's so good. It's ending soon. And it's, it's very sad. Um, but, um, Okay. So it's compassion, contemplative arts and science, and it's at Harvard extension school. So if that sounds like something you want to do, you don't need any crazy credentials or GPA or, you know, nothing, you just go and you apply and, um, you know, obviously you have to pay for it, but, um, any, anybody can go. So I just want to stress that like there's, there's, it's available to anybody Um, and they have amazing resources actually. So if anybody wants to check that out, I highly recommend anyways, the class is all about compassion and what is it? How do you use it? What are the conditions we place on compassion? What are the challenges? Um, how do we practice it? How do we cultivate it? Um, it's looking at it through a Buddhist lens, through science, like there's been studies of the body, you know, when, when doing compassion practices, um, And then lastly, you know, I'm going to create a compassion program at the end of the 
the class. So that's kind of like the overview of what the class is. Do you want me to share like what compassion is or? Yes. I want to go deep into this. Like what okay. is, because it's part of our definition of what a womaness is and part of a womaness is being compassionate about herself, oh. the world around her. So yes. What is compassion to you? Okay. So when I, so the first time I had to do anything related to compassion was when I went through Buddhist meditation training and I got set up to do a Dharma talk, which is just like, like, like a talk, like a speech kind of thing. Um, but I, I had to give the speech on compassion and I really went in thinking, oh, compassion is just kindness and kind of good vibes and like you're nice to people. But when I started to really dig into what compassion is, it is actually engaging with suffering in mm -hmm. such a capacity that you are willing and have the desire and the intention to lessen, prevent, or stop that suffering. And that suffering can be happening internally with thoughts, feelings, self-criticism, judgments, pains that you have, traumas, right? Or it can be ha happening externally around you. Like you see a friend and they're extremely judgmental, or you see somebody who is, you know, not doing well and, and you see them, them suffering physically and mentally and you, you do something. But that is the key part of compassion is that there's action. There's really an action behind it. So it's not a, just about being empathetic or sim sympathetic to somebody or even just relating to their feelings. That's part of it. That's like part one. But really being compassionate means that you're going to be committed to taking an action of any kind, of any size to relieve suffering. And so it could be as simple as passing by somebody and smiling at them. It could be as simple as like you see somebody struggling outside of a restaurant you know, maybe they can't find parking or they're frantic or, you know, I don't know what you run into, but like, it's just, I see somebody suffering and I'm going to do what I can. And it's very small or, you know, of course there's bigger things that, you know, you're an activist or you're thinking about, you know, like Jen, you're very compassionate in what you created with women S like, sadly, women are not always treated well, and we don't always have community. We don't always have a support system. Um, and so you really saw that and you were not only willing to engage with that pain and suffering that exists, that's very real. Um, but you were like, I'm going to do something about it. And so that's very compassionate. So you can pay yourself, oh. but so is your team. And so is your community. Very and it much. makes sense that very much. it is a pillar because not every female community that you go into feels friendly. And mm -hmm. feels as if you belong, you know, and, and I really commend you for that, for building that within the structure of women us, it's, it's palpable. You can tell. So that's what compassion is. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, of course I can keep, I can talk and talk and talk for days. So don't let me go too far. No, but I think it's such an important, it's an important thing for us to understand. And I like that you identified specifically that compassion is taking action because I think if you're able to um, empathize or maybe sympathetic towards someone that's, but you're not taking action. Like that's, that's one space. Like you can be considerate of others, but actually taking action towards being compassionate. I don't, I'm like, I'm kind of digesting that all because I think that that's, that's the missing link. And a lot of empathy is not taking it one step further and, and being people of action. Yeah. And there's yeah. kind of like these frameworks and understandings around compassion. And I can make some book recommendations too, um, yeah. to kind of go deeper, but 
first of all, compassion around, around being able to be empathetic and sympathetic and take action around that is kindness and warmth. Mm. So you are insulated by what you're doing with kindness and warmth. And then there's also wisdom and insight, right? So perhaps you've been somewhere in your life and you can see the suffering in somebody else or in yourself, and you're able to meet it with actions because of your wisdom, right? Because of the insights you gain over your life or maybe a book you read or whatever it might be. So there's there's definitely some layers to this. And I think one thing that I didn't really totally understand until I took this class is like, you can be empathetic but or sympathetic and lose yourself in the emotional distress of other people or even yourself. And so compassion is actually really fierce. It's really courageous because even in those feelings, you're still going to choose that freedom from suffering is possible. And you're going to just do whatever you can to head in that direction. And again, it could be so small. Like it, again, it could be just, I'm going to take a deep breath every morning, right? I'm going to be mindful so that, um, so that I can engage with my life and, and help myself. I don't know. It's a really fascinating thing. And I think the one thing that I'm like kind of excited about is that we're going to create a program and I'm going to, I felt really called to like help younger generations. And I think this would be applicable, applicable to anybody, but, um, I feel like we gave them social media. We gave them like access to media of all kinds and we didn't really set them up to be able to ingest it all and consume it in a capacity where they don't lose themselves. So the program that I'm working on is, can we bring a compassionate lens to our media consumption? And so that would mean that when you are scrolling, whether it's doom scrolling or enjoying scrolling through social media, um, can you start to engage with it in a way where you're bringing understanding, empathy, sympathy, but that you are compelled and have intention to relieve suffering wherever you see it in yourself first and foremost, and around you. And so it may be that when you see something um, polarizing on social media, instead of getting lost in the polarization, instead of getting lost in the distress of your own or the people around you, that you stay committed to the potential of relief, right? The potential of relief from for yourself and for them. And so it could be as simple as um, heart emoji, or, you know, like it could be as simple as understanding what that content is doing to your own body and your own being and being able to nurture yourself. So I don't know, I'm still playing around with it, but I think that the the theory that I really want to research is like, could compassion training help with media consumption? That's kind of a big topic, but I don't know. Could it help? You know, could it actually reduce anxiety and reduce depression and suicide ideation, you know, like, could it, could it help? It seems to help in a lot of different areas. So I'm curious. Yeah. So an example of that, then I'm logging onto social media and let's first identify like, where do you think the root of anxiety and stress from social media comes from? I think, I mean, I think it's so many things. I think one, you have information coming at you at 
such a speed that you don't aren't processing really any of it. Not to mention, I don't think we're necessarily aware or mindful of like the thoughts we have when we ingest it or the feelings we have in our body. Mm. So I think first and foremost, we have to practice mindfulness. We have to at least understand the tool of this awareness and how to do it, how to cultivate it. Right. But I think like, uh, the stress and anxiety is coming from partly we're ingesting so much so fast and never processing through it. And then it just compounds and it's also extremely addictive. Um, Mm. it's also a place where we gather and like, it's supposed to be community. So it's like, you almost feel like you have to be there, but you don't totally know your barriers and you don't really know exactly how do I operate in this space. I think there's just so much ambiguity. Um, and I, for younger generations, I think there's a lot of comparison and criticism and bullying. And there's a lot of immaturity. I think there's a lot there, right? Like even just that is stressful. Um, and then there's the pressure to show up and be famous and go viral and all the things, right? It's like, it's quite a landscape. Yeah. So the hope would be that you have education around approaching that environment with the lens or the filter of compassion so that when you feel like you're losing yourself or you are maybe having really self-critical thoughts or feeling very depressed or anxious, that you have compassion practices and tools that you can use, right? And that you can leverage for yourself but then also like the content you're putting out there and engaging with, like, could this lens help? And again, this is super high level, very unbaked um, project, but I'm curious nonetheless. Well, I think, and I know that we'll have you on way more frequently. Uh, you've always been you know, one of my favorite guests to interview when I had my other podcast, Your Zest Life. And, and so I feel like we're going to be following along on your journey. And I almost want to do a part two on this, uh, after you've Let's been doing do some more research on it. And, and cause I kind of went backwards in this, <laughs> I was going to introduce you a little bit more and, um, I don't know, this just, it, this is how it was fluid, right? Trusting the process that yeah. our conversation is going to take us where it'll take us. And we asked our community also some questions they wanted to ask you. And I wanted <laughs> to honor that because this, this is about them as well. It's not just about me and the questions that I want to ask you, because I'm sure I will follow this up with a voice message to you with additional thoughts. And, um, but you know, something that you had mentioned too, is, uh, something I want to say you talked about courage. So courage, Mm. having the courage to show up compassionately. Can you elaborate just a little bit more on what that courage looks like? And, you know, what, again, I like to have action items, like what can someone do to have a little bit more courage to let's say specifically to have compassion for themselves first? Cause I think, Mm you have to start with yourself first before you, you know how to show up in the other world more compassionately. It's really true. Um, it's really true in the sense of like, like if you even think about like, uh, environmental crisis, right? Like, and we're looking to our politicians promises has a point, but we're looking to them to solve, to aid what's happening. But we, you know, we don't see it happening as quickly or, you know, pick any, Thing that we think is broken. And we don't feel like our people that are leading the charge and could make change, you know, are making it. So um, a journalist asked Thich Nhat Hanh, the Zen 
uh, monk I, I mentioned and said like, why? Like, I don't get it. Like they have opportunities, they have power, they have money. Make these changes. Let's talk about like gun reform. Like this, these things could happen. And he was like, well, he laughed first of all, but he was like, well, because if we are expecting them to deal with that major amount of suffering, but yet they cannot deal with their own suffering. They have problems in their relationships with themselves and their family. How would we ever anticipate that they would then have the courage mm. to face such painful things, you know, big at big scale. And it's kind of like that. It's like, you do need to be able to nurture yourself. Like a happy person isn't going to go out of the way to harm somebody. So it's, it's having tools to be able to nurture your own pains and suffering so that you can help, right? Like that, that would be, that would be the point. Um, I think most people want to do that. Like they, they feel that um, and they're doing the very best they can. And I, I see that every day. Um, and I totally got sidetracked. So, but what was the second thing you asked me? I'm so sorry. I think you actually answered it. Um, okay you know, showing up in ourselves, which kind of leads into another, another question Archimedes asked you, which is what oh, do you wait, do wait, 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 I remember. Wait, did you Sorry, remember it? Remember. Okay. <laughs> you remember, you asked me like, what, what does the, what does courage to show up compassionately look like? Yes. Um, and then uh, let's go to the next, the, the other question, but um, I, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go. If you remember it, I think it's some, like, what can they do to start with themselves, have compassion for themselves first. Compassion for themselves first. Okay. So first I wanted to share an example of showing up compassionately and having the courage to do it. So, um, there's a poet an activist, uh, a performer, their name is Alec, A-L-O-K. And if you're not following them on social media, I highly recommend it. They will respond to hateful comments with such fierce compassion. Mm. It is such a a good example. I've never seen anybody do it more gracefully and beautifully. And essentially what they're inviting people to do is not hate him, but to look at the own, their own hate internally and what's happening inside them. It's the most disarming, you know, and it's gracious and it's loving and it's understanding. Anyways, that's a really good example of mm. being courageous to be compassionate, but then for yourself to have the skills and to be able to be compassionate towards yourself. There's a beautiful book by Kristen Neff and it's all about self-compassion and it's its own category. You know, it's like, there's like compassion, the big umbrella and self-compassion is its own. And I really recommend anybody to read it. And it's not a, it's not a hard read, but one thing that she recommends and that she created is so cool. It's a self-compassion mantra and you can create it for yourself. And so when you are being extremely self-critical, you deploy this and it can be something you do in your own head. But number one, it brings you into the present moment. It practices mindfulness for her. It's um, uh, suffering exists. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm in a moment of pain and challenging and if suffering is not your word, maybe it's discomfort. This is a moment of discomfort. The second is a common humanity like that we're sharing this. It's not just us. We're not isolated. So this is a moment of discomfort. And the second piece is discomfort exists for everybody. So it's a very, again, something that helps ground you into the moment, takes you out of feeling completely self-critical and, you know, not being compassionate to yourself. So discomfort exists, um, it exists for everybody. And then a phrase of kindness, 
Like I'm doing the best I can. Hmm. And then I would like to add one more to that, which is an action. So I'm doing the best I can and I'm going to care for myself today. Hmm. And I think that framework anybody can take to be able to be more compassionate and self-compassionate to themselves. So I found myself being extremely critical of myself on Monday night. I had to lead a guided meditation. I was kind of thrown onto the spot um, for where I was and not that I couldn't have done it. I just got lost in my nerves. And when it was over, I was just beating myself up. Like, Lauren, you did the worst job. You could have done something better. Why did you say that? Why did you not leave a longer pause? And I did this exact exercise or tool or practice, whatever you want to call it. I literally said to myself, wow, this is a moment of total discomfort. And this discomfort exists for everybody. Everybody's self-critical. And I literally said to myself, you did the best you can, you could. And I guarantee it wasn't as bad as you thought. So my action was to watch the, watch it back. It was a recording. So watch the recording back. So after my daughter went to sleep, I watched the recording. It was fine. You know, it was fine. So I think that's an an amazing tool and something anybody could take away from this podcast and listening. Like you can create your own self-compassion mantra, use that framework. And, and I'll, I'll share the link to this too, so that you can be great in the book show notes. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's a great tool. I love, I love that because we are our own worst critics. And especially when it's right after I had an experience last night teaching where I flubbed it up my anyways. And, and I was so in my head and thinking like, mm-hmm. everyone knows I flubbed up. Everyone knows everyone's out of this experience. No one's going to want to show up next week. <laughs> like what? And, and I had instructors in my class and I was talking to them afterwards, like no one knows. And we're yeah. our own worst critic. And I, yeah. I love this. So pausing, this is a moment of discomfort. Mm-hmm. Everyone feel, feels discomfort. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the best that I can. And then taking an action, which kudos to you for watching yourself back, because I think that's also very hard to yeah. watch ourselves. But um, you realize what your mind is yeah. doing, right? Your mind somehow just totally uh, changed the reality of what happened. And so thank God I could watch it back and see like what really happened. And that's why, you know, it's so great. You had friends who could be like, no, actually you're human. It didn't happen. You know, like it's all good. So yeah, yeah. I think we are, I mean, we, we, we run in a society that asks us to be perfect all the time, to be happy all the time, to never flub up, um, And so self-compassion really comes in to save you. It's different than self-esteem. It's really allowing you to nurture yourself. And and thank God that you have the capacity to do that because had I charged on throughout the rest of my day being self-critical, I wouldn't have been able to been as soft and warm and welcoming to my family. I wouldn't have, you know, been in the same mood. Like you can actually advocate and take agency over your experience. So then I think this is a very, uh, a human humanizing question, because I think a lot of times people look at you, especially when, you know, you lead our womenness in the wilderness meditations, you'll also be our meditation guide at motivation through movement. And I've had this moment where I watch you and, and you lead us through this beautiful meditation. You just have this gift of bringing people into the present moment, connected to them. I mean, really connecting to them, to themselves, like the stories that women have shared in our groups. When we do these meditations, like you have this gift and 
I know I've been hard on myself when I think I'm trying to get my meditation practice more consistent. I think, well, Lauren shows up, she meditates for like probably at least an hour and she doesn't get distracted. So (laughs) what do you do then when you feel um, spiritual struggles or a challenge in having a consistent meditation practice? Uh, How do you work through these? Okay. So this is a phrase that I think you can repeat over and over again in your life. What is my relationship to this thought? Oh, what is my relationship to this thought? So when I'm struggling, like maybe I didn't get to meditate because Lily barged into my closet or um, the way that the day was structured, it just really threw me off of my practices or whatever it might be, right? Like, um, what is my relationship to this thought? And that will provide so much wisdom and so much insight for you to be able to move through the challenge that you're experiencing. So me personally, I ask myself this often because I'm so human and I make so many mistakes and I get lost in self-criticism and judgment and all the things that are very human. And I, I often ask myself, what is my relationship to this? And I think that allows you to have this perspective, right? Um, The other thing that I do personally is I really take care of my inner world. Mm. So when I flub up, which I like that word, um, when I don't show, like when I get into a fight with my husband, when I'm super judgmental of somebody, you know, I'm really caring to myself, like, ah, what, what's happening for you and what do you need? What do you need right now in your life? And how can you bring that to you and how can you help? I think therapy is fantastic. I think Mm -hmm. community is fantastic. I think being able to learn from people. Um, And I'm just learning along the way, just like everybody else, you know? So it's like, I kind of grab these little gems and wisdoms along the way. Um, The good news is you can always begin again. You have a new day, a new moment. If you wanted to go that deep to be able to begin again. Mm -hmm. I love that. And you'd said that's one of your favorite quotes as well. Yeah. I love it. No, that's wonderful. I think it gives you the opportunity to start fresh and and say nothing's permanent. Nothing is permanent. You have the opportunity at any point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Mm -hmm. extending that to other people around you because, oh, Um, can I share one more thing? Yes. This is your space and your time. Have we gone over time? I don't know. No, you are perfect. You're perfect. Okay. So I recently had an aha. I feel like every time I come on here, I probably have some (laughs) aha. I love it. Share it. Um, I, I don't think I've ever shared. So, um, my face just got totally hot. So even just right now, I'm acknowledging that I have some major feelings. Um, when I was younger, like in my late, early twenties, um, I experienced some harm, I guess we'll just say that harm to me physically. And it's just always kind of been under the radar for a long time. And I've gone through therapy and, you know, I've really worked to integrate that into my life. But most recently um, in this compassion class, it really talks a lot about causes and conditions. So compassion can lead to forgiveness because it's like, we understand our shared humanity. We can understand how we operate into the world, but we can also understand the causes and conditions of the world so that we can potentially act more compassionately or understanding or forgive. And so I don't know, I was like pulling in, I was 
pulling into the driveway and I was like, oh my God, I get it. OMG, I get it. I understand that the causes and conditions of not only the environment, of our world, of this person's upbringing, of whatever is going on in their life and whatever they had internally, those causes and conditions led them to harm me. And it had nothing to do with me. Mm. It actually had nothing to do with me. I just was there. It could have been anybody. And so because I can understand the causes and conditions, I am more likely to forgive. And I think the same is possible. I can forgive. I can absolutely, actually. But I think that's applicable to anybody. So you can understand the causes and conditions that have led you to be in the moment you are in, if you're in a challenging moment. And that allows you, that allows you some perspective, understand like, it's not just you, you didn't cause it. It's not your fault. Like you're not challenged for the rest of your life. There's hope and there's a perspective that you can have and that you can then determine the next causes and conditions by taking action that is nurturing, loving, understanding, and compassionate. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where forgiveness can come in, that it could be that next action. It could be a ripple effect. I don't know if any of that made any sense. I think it did. But you know, sometimes ahas like make sense to you and then don't make sense to anybody else. I kind of feel like it was one of those. But causes and conditions, I think, are really important when thinking about self-compassion, compassion for others, forgiveness, kind of almost anything. You can understand how people have arrived to where they are. I think that aha made a hundred percent sense. It was definitely Did it? Okay. It made I don't sense. Know. Yeah. And it is, is relatable. I think that's what, I think that's what draws people to, and if people haven't met you before, if this is their first introduction to you, I feel like if I'm remembering the first time I was drawn to you and connected to you, it's because of things like this that you say and, and you know, your ability to take something that I, forgiveness is a very complex matter, a very complex subject. And I think that we could spend a whole nother mm-hmm. you know, hour talking about that, but breaking it down and what does that actually look like? And, and why, why is that important in this world and, and making it feel very real. Um, yeah. so thank you for sharing that by the way. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Came out. Oh, I mean, that's what this space is for, you know, for when we brainstormed with our team, like what, why are we doing this? You know, I, I'm at a point in my life where my wife for doing anything needs to be very strong. And yeah. I've just realized what my capacity is and what my threshold is. And the why for this podcast was very strong. And one of the underlying whys that our team identified is to create a space where people feel connected. They feel like they're not alone. They feel part of something bigger than themselves. And I think messages like yours allow us to feel just that. So Mm -hmm. thank you for creating that space. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for letting me just blab on. Oh, you're not blabbing on at all, by the way. Uh, I feel like I could just let you keep going, but I know that we are coming to a point where we will start to wrap up. There are a couple of things that we want to ask all of our guests. Um, as you know, we're big about manifesting. Actually, I had my Mm -hmm. team all write down, um, a letter to themselves at this year's vision planning meeting that they will open up next year Mm. at the vision planning meeting, um, which you're like an honorary member of our team. And so now I'm thinking about, I don't know if I, did I send I that to write you? one? Yes. I need to get one from you. I, yeah. so 
we can connect about that. But okay. one thing big about manifesting, you know, putting something out in the universe that you you believe to be true, you would like to happen. What is first one hope you have for the next generation of womeness? And then what is something you are currently manifesting for yourself? My next hope for womeness um to just be strong, you know, strong. Like there's this, there's this practice called strong back, soft front. That's my hope for the future generation. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Can you a, say that again, a uh, strong back, a soft front. So mm-hmm. an open heart, right. An open heart, um, open minds, but you're strong. Like, you know, you're, you're strong and courageous. So, and just keeping the momentum. Um, and then manifestation, <laughs> um, I really want to do research. So I want to research this program. I want to manifest that um, working with either a university or, um, you know, I don't know, maybe, I don't know where that research is going to fall, but I really like to research this compassion program and then start to teach it. And I also would like to manifest a physical retail and uh, calm point uh, studio so that I can have, you know, one-on-one meditation practices and group group stuff and fun retail stuff since it is part of my background. So those are two things that are very top of mind in terms of manifesting and fun. Can I want, I mean, I'm so serious all the time and people are probably (laughs) like, oh my God, does she ever, does she ever just have fun? I do, but um, just more dancing, more fun, more friends stuff and I think you're going to ha- find that you have a lot of fun at MTM personally. That Definitely. was one of the things we were manifesting for it. And when we were coming up, I told you this, all our colors are like neon and smiling oh, faces it. and lightning bolt. And at first I'm like, does this look like a 13 year old's locker decorations? No, that's right, so we need cool. more fun. We're so serious in our lives. Like yeah. we need fun. We need to let loose. We've got um, someone teaching a booty yoga class and she's bringing in, I think drumsticks. That's so fun. We're going to no. let our freak flags lie. I'm so so fun. So fun. Well, I I know we're also manifesting a, isn't it so funny? Even as I'm sharing this with you there, I was listening to podcasts on this where one sharing our ideas first off can either put us into this fear of Mm. like fear of rejection, fear. That's not going to happen. Fear that people are going to think we're stupid or inadequate or the fear that someone's going to take the idea. And also the fear of like, it can, what if that's too big? What if I'm dreaming too big and I'm going to feel let down? Yeah. Um, so as I was about ready to tell you what we've kind of been manifesting and I know you and I've talked about this, I'm like, wow, where's this, where's this coming from? Like being curious about this thought, like, where is this coming from? Yeah. Um, but we would love to have like a women's community, yes. like physical space where I want that for really, women's oh my gosh, oh my so gosh bad. maybe calm point is in there oh. and you can your studio, like, oh, it'd be Dreams. amazing. So let's manifest it. Let's make it happen. You, yeah, us needs a community center. Absolutely. You like, know. yeah, you it'd just be so incredible. Yeah, it'd be amazing. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna put it out there. We're a nonprofit. Yeah. So if someone wants to sponsor it, baby, we <laughs> will not say no. We are here for it. And I know that my horoscope told me to not take anything else on this month. Um, <laughs> But if someone said, Hey, this is the time for it. I would say universe, is this you telling me to trust the process? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, let's do it. Yes. Yes. Okay. So as we wrap it up, um, where can people find you? They want to hear more. Where should they go? Um, 
go to Calm Point. Uh, it's a podcast or uh, you can sign up for the newsletter, which is every week. And um, Instagram is probably a really great place. Um, but I'm spending a lot of time at Calm Point, um, just writing and producing meditations that are we- just weekly. Um, th- that Those are the best places. But wait till I have a physical spot, you know, when that it's- manifests. It's happening. I can feel it. I can feel it. We're going to have to do another part where we can talk more about just how we met, because I know since meeting you, you are a magical being and what we talk about, it comes into fruition. And it just, I I don't even know how to explain some of the things that have happened because of, because of you. So I think that physical space is going to happen. It's going to happen for both of us. It is amazing. Yeah. Well, Lauren, thank you so much again for taking the time to be present and to be here and people will get to see you. Our community will get to see you at motivation through movement. You will be our meditation guide at Saturday, May 20th. Uh, we've Woo-hoo. got more information on our website uh, as well as our social media. So until next time, you know, be good to yourself, be good to others. And we'll see you at the next episode. Hey, Womenists, thanks for being a part of our community and listening to this episode of the Womenists Podcast. Here at Womenists, we are committed to growing and evolving as a community together. If you found this episode brought value to your life, share it with a Womenists who empowers you. And while you're at it, help other Womenists find this podcast by giving it a like, subscribing, and leaving a review. You can also find additional resources and opportunities to connect with Womenists by subscribing to our newsletter linked in the show notes, as well as on our Instagram, Womenists Community. Until next time, be good to yourself and be good to others. We'll see you at the next episode of the Womenists Podcast.